Section 23 of The Elements of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adam Marcetich, Alexandria, Virginia, July 2010. The Elements of Geology by William Harmon Norton. Chapter 17 the ordovician and silurian footnote often known as the lower silurian the ordovician in north america the ordovician rocks lie conformably on the cambrian the two periods therefore were not parted by any deformation either of mountain making or of continental uplift the general submergence which marked the Cambrian continued into the succeeding period with little interruption. Subdivisions and distribution of strata. The Ordovician series, as they have been made out in New York, are given for reference in the following table, with the rocks of which they are chiefly composed. 5. Hudson, Shales. 4. Utica, shales three trenton limestones two chazy limestones one calciferous sandy limestones these marine formations of the ordovician outcrop about the cambrian and precambrian areas and as borings show extend far and wide over the interior of the continent beneath more recent strata. The Ordovician Sea stretched from Appalachia across the Mississippi Valley. It seems to have extended to California, although broken probably by several mountainous islands in the west. Physical Geography The physical history of the period is recorded in the succession of its formations. The sandstones of the Upper Cambrian as we have learned tell of a transgressing sea which gradually came to occupy the mississippi valley and the interior of north america the limestones of the early and middle ordovician show that now the shore had become remote and the lands had become more low the waters now had cleared colonies of brachiopods and other lime secreting animals occupied the sea bottom and their debris mantled it with sheets of limey ooze the sandy limestones of the calciferous record the transition stage from the cambrian when some sand was still brought in from shore the highly fossiliferous limestones of the trenton tell of clear water and abundant life we need not regard this epicontinental sea as deep. No abysmal deposits have been found, and the limestones of the period are those which would be laid in clear, warm water of moderate depth, like that of modern coral seas. The shales of the Utica and Hudson show that the waters of the sea now became clouded with mud washed in from land, Either the land was gradually uplifted, or perhaps there had arrived one of those periodic crises which, as we may imagine, 
have taken place whenever the crust of the shrinking earth has slowly given way over its great depressions and the ocean has withdrawn its waters into deepening abysses the land was thus left relatively higher and bordered with new coastal plains the epicontinental sea was shoaled and narrowed and muds were washed in from the adjacent lands the taconic deformation the ordovician was closed by a deformation whose extent and severity are not yet known from the st lawrence river to new york bay along the northwestern and western border of new england lies a belt of cambrian ordovician rocks more than a mile in total thickness which accumulated during the long ages of those periods in a gradually subsiding trough between the Adirondacks and a precambrian ridge lying west of the connecticut river but since their deposition these ancient sediments have been crumpled and crushed broken with great faults and extensively metamorphosed the limestones have recrystallized into marbles among them the famous marbles of vermont the cambrian sandstones have become quartzites and the hudson shale has been changed to a schist exposed on manhattan island and northward in part these changes occurred at the close of the ordovician for in several places beds of silurian age rest unconformably on the upturned ordovician strata but recent investigations have made it probable that the crustal movements recurred at later times and it was perhaps in the devonian and at the close of the carboniferous that the greater part of the deformation and metamorphism was accomplished as a result of these movements perhaps several times repeated a great mountain range was upridged which has been long since leveled by erosion but whose roots are now visible in the taconic mountains of western new england the cincinnati anticline over an oval area in ohio indiana and kentucky whose longer axis extends from north to south through cincinnati the ordovician strata rise in a very low broad swell called the cincinnati anticline the silurian and devonian strata thin out as they approach this area and seem never to have deposited upon it we may regard it therefore as an island up warped from the sea at the close of the ordovician or shortly after petroleum and natural gas these valuable illuminants and fuels are considered here because although they are found in traces in older strata it is in the ordovician that they occur for the first time in large quantities they range throughout later formations down to the most recent. The oil horizons of California and Texas are tertiary, those of Colorado, Cretaceous, those of West Virginia, Carboniferous, 
those of Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and Canada, Devonian, and the large field of Ohio and Indiana belongs to the Ordovician and higher systems. Petroleum and natural gas, wherever found, have probably originated from the decay of organic matter when buried in sedimentary deposits, just as at present in swampy places the hydrogen and carbon of decaying vegetation combine to form marsh gas. The light and heat of these hydrocarbons we may think of, therefore, as a gift to the civilized life of our race from the humble organisms, both animal and vegetable, of the remote past, whose remains were entombed in the sediments of the Ordovician and later geological ages. Petroleum is very widely disseminated throughout the stratified rocks. Certain limestones are visibly greasy with it, and others give off its characteristic fetid odor when struck with a hammer. Many shales are bituminous, and some are so highly charged that small flakes may be lighted like tapers, and several gallons of oil to the ton may be obtained by distillation. But oil and gas are found in paying quantities only when certain conditions meet. 1. A source below, usually a bituminous shale, from whose organic matter they have been derived by slow change. 2. A reservoir above, in which they have gathered. This is either a porous sandstone, or a porous or creviced limestone. 3. Oil and gas are lighter than water, and are usually under pressure owing to artesian water. Hence, in order to hold them from escaping to the surface, the reservoir must have the shape of an anticline, dome, or lens. 4. It must also have an impervious cover, usually a shale. In these reservoirs, gas is under a pressure which is often enormous, reaching in extreme cases as high as a thousand five hundred pounds to the square inch. When tapped, it rushes out with deafening roar, sometimes flinging the heavy drill high in the air. In accounting for this pressure, we must remember that the gas has been compressed within the pores of the reservoir rock by artesian water, and in some cases also by its own expansive force. It is not uncommon for artesian water to rise in wells after the exhaustion of gas and oil. Life of the Ordovician During the ages of the Ordovician, life made great advances. Types already present branched widely into new genera and species, and new and higher types appeared. Sponges continued from the Cambrian. Graptolites now reached their climax. Stromatopora. Colonies of minute hydrozoans allied to corals grew in places on the sea floor, secreting stony masses composed of thin, close, concentric layers. 
connected by vertical rods. The Stromatopora are among the chief limestone builders of the Silurian and Devonian periods. Corals developed along several distinct lines. Like modern corals, they secreted a calcareous framework in whose outer portions the polyps lived. In the Ordovician, corals were represented chiefly by the family of the Coetites, all species of which are long since extinct. The description of other types of corals will be given under the Silurian, where they first became abundant. Echinoderms. The cystoid reaches its climax, but there appear now two higher types of echinoderms, the crinoid and the starfish. The crinoid, named from its resemblance to the lily, is like the cystoid in many respects, but has a longer stem and supports a crown of plumose arms. Stirring the water with these arms, it creates currents by which particles of food are wafted to its mouth. Crinoids are rare at the present time, but they grew in the greatest profusion in the warm Ordovician seas and for long ages thereafter. In many places, the sea floor was beautiful with these graceful, flower-like forms, as with fields of long-stemmed lilies. Of the higher, free-moving classes of the echinoderms, starfish are more numerous than in the Cambrian, and sea urchins make their appearance in rare archaic forms. Crustaceans. Trilobites now reach their greatest development, and more than 1,100 species have been described from the rocks of this period. It is interesting to note that in many species the segments of the thorax have now come to be so shaped that they move freely on one another unlike their cambrian ancestors many of the ordovician trilobites could roll themselves into balls at the approach of danger it is in this attitude taken at the approach of death that trilobites are often found in the Ordovician and later rocks. The gigantic crustaceans called the Eurypterids were also present in this period. The arthropods had now seized upon the land. Centipedes and insects of a low type, the earliest known land animals, have been discovered in strata of this system. Bryozoans no fossils are more common in the limestones of the time than the small branching stems and lace-like mats of the bryozoans, the skeletons of colonies of a minute animal allied in structure to the brachiopod. Brachiopods. These multiplied greatly, and in places their shells formed thick beds of coquina, they still greatly surpassed the mollusks in numbers. Cephalopods Among the mollusks, we must note the evolution of the cephalopods. The primitive straight orthoceras has now become abundant, but in addition to this ancestral type, there appears a succession of forms 
more and more curved and closely coiled, as illustrated in figure 285. The Nautilus, which began its course in this period, crawls on the bottom of our present seas. Vertebrates. The most important record of the Ordovician is that of the appearance of a new and higher type with possibilities of development lying hidden in its structure that the mollusk and the insect could never hope to reach. Scales and plates of minute fishes found in the Ordovician rocks near Canyon City, Colorado show that the humblest of the vertebrates had already made its appearance, but it is probable that vertebrates had been on the earth for ages before this in lowly types, which, being destitute of hard parts, would leave no record. The Silurian, the narrowing of the seas, and the emergence of the lands, which characterized the closing epoch of the Ordovician in eastern North America, continue into the succeeding period of the Silurian. New species appear, and many old species now become extinct. The Appalachian region, where the Silurian system is most fully developed, from New York southward along the Appalachian Mountains, it comprises four series. 4. Selena, Shales, Impure Limestones, Gypsum, Salt. 3. Niagara, chiefly limestones. 2. Clinton, sandstones, shales, with some limestones. 1. Medina, conglomerates, sandstones. The rocks of these series are shallow water deposits and reach the total thickness of some 5,000 feet. Evidently, they were laid over an area which was on the whole gradually subsiding, although with various gentle oscillations which are recorded in the different formations. The coarse sands of the heavy Medina formations record a period of uplift of the old land of Appalachia, when erosion went on rapidly and coarse waste in abundance was brought down from the hills by swift streams and spread the waves in wide sandy flats as the lands were worn lower the waste became finer and during an epoch of transition the clinton there were deposited various formations of sandstones shales and limestones the niagara limestones testify to a long epoch of repose when low-lying lands sent little waste down to the sea. The gypsum and salt deposits of the Salina show that, toward the close of the Silurian period, a slight oscillation brought the seafloor nearer to the surface, and at the north cut off extensive tracts from the interior sea. In these wide lagoons, which now and then regained access to the open sea and obtained new supplies of salt water, beds of salt and gypsum 
were deposited as the briny waters became concentrated by evaporation under a desert climate. Along with these beds, there were also laid shales and impure limestones. In New York, the salt pans of the Salina extended over an area 150 miles long from east to west and 60 miles wide, and similar salt marshes occurred as far west as Cleveland, Ohio, and Goderich on Lake Huron. At Ithaca, New York, the series is 1,500 feet thick, and is buried beneath an equal thickness of later strata. It includes 250 feet of solid salt in several distinct beds, each sealed within the shales of the series. Would you expect to find ancient beds of rock salt enclosed in beds of pervious sandstone? The salt beds of the Salina are of great value. They are reached by well borings, and their brines are evaporated by solar heat and by boiling. The rock salt is also mined from deep shafts. Similar deposits of salt, formed under like conditions, occur in the rocks of later systems down to the present. The salt beds of Texas are Permian, those of Kansas are Permian, and those of Louisiana are tertiary. The Mississippi Valley. The heavy near-shore formations of the Silurian in the Appalachian region thin out towards the west. The Medina and the Clinton sandstones are not found west of Ohio, where the first passes into a shale and the second into a limestone. The Niagara limestone, however, spreads from the Hudson River to beyond the Mississippi, a distance of more than a thousand miles. During the Silurian period, the Mississippi Valley region was covered with a quiet, shallow, limestone-making sea, which received little waste from the low lands which bordered it. The probable distribution of land and sea in eastern North America and western Europe is shown in figure 287. The fauna of the interior region and of eastern Canada are closely allied with that of western Europe, and several species are identical. We can hardly account for this except by a shallow water connection between the two ancient epicontinental seas. It was perhaps along the coastal shelves of a northern land connecting America and Europe by way of Greenland and Iceland that the migration took place, so that the same species came to live in Iowa and in Sweden. The Western United States so little is found of the rocks of the system west of the Missouri River that it is quite probable that the western part of the United States had for the most part emerged from the sea at the close of the Ordovician and remained land during the Silurian. At the same time, 
the western land was perhaps connected with the eastern land of Appalachia across Arkansas and Mississippi, for toward the south the Silurian sediments indicate an approach to shore. Life of the Silurian In this brief sketch, it is quite impossible to relate the many changes of species and genera during the Silurian. Corals some of the more common types are familiarly known as cup corals, honeycomb corals, and chain corals. In the cup corals, the most important feature is the development of radiating vertical partitions, or septa, in the cell of the polyp. Some of the cup corals grew in hemispherical colonies, figure 288, while many were separate individuals, figure 289, building a single conical or horn-shaped cell, which sometimes reached the extreme size of a foot in length and two or three inches in diameter. Honeycomb corals consist of masses of small, close-set prismatic cells, each crossed by horizontal partitions, or tabulae, while the septa are rudimentary, being represented by faintly projecting ridges or rows of spines. Chain corals are also marked by tabulae. Their cells form elliptical tubes, touching each other at the edges, and appearing in cross-section like the links of a chain. They became extinct at the end of the Silurian. The corals of the Syringopora family are similar in structure to chain corals, but the tubular columns are connected only in places. To the echinoderms, there is now added the blastoid, bud-shaped. The blastoid is stemmed and armless, and its globular head, or calyx, with its five petal-like divisions, resembles a flower bud. The blastoids became more abundant in the Devonian, culminated in the Carboniferous, and disappeared at the end of the Paleozoic. The great Eutypterids, some of which were five or six feet in length, and the cephalopods were still masters of the seas. Fishes were as yet few and small. Trilobites and graptolites had now passed their prime and had diminished greatly in numbers. Scorpions are found in this period both in Europe and in America. The limestone-making seas of the Silurian swarmed with corals, crinoids, and brachiopods. With the end of the Silurian period, the age of invertebrates comes to a close, giving place to the Devonian, the age of fishes. End of section 23